Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O C-O. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by site co-experts Lucas Johnson and Chris Klein. Welcome to another episode of the Sixer Sense Podcast. I'm your host, Lucas Johnson, with my co-host here, Christopher Klein, and our newly, I, I guess you would use the term position raised or uh, promotion, uh, Uriah Young as producer now. Yay. Uh, I'm paying, yes, paying you, my dues with bottled pennies, gentlemen. That's you, how you got to well, do it. Well, you know what, Uri, you put in a lot of work here. We very <laughs> much appreciate it. We also have a couple of guests here. We have Matt Plesko, Adam yep. Gilbert, and Jonathan Guybe. How are we doing tonight, guys? Good, man. How about you? Doing good. Doing good. Excited to get started, get through this, talk some college hoops and how that translates to the NBA. And then, of course, you know that we've had Jonathan on here. I think, Jonathan, this is your third time, man. I think you, you're our most frequent uh, guest, so congratulations on that. Yeah, thanks. Third time's the charm. Most definitely. Um, so all three of these guys are our contributors for the Sixer Sense, and they've been doing a great job since they came on board. We're happy to have them. So a couple of, I believe, I believe I approached this either late April or early May. I approached the group, our group of contributors about doing a round table mock draft, which basically the idea of it was to get input, have particular writers cover particular teams and then do a mock draft covering all 60 picks. Yeah. I'm really excited about this. I'm basically going to be playing Adam Silver on this one, just announcing each pick and we're going to let the guys who made the picks uh, discuss each one a little bit, tell you why they made them, why these prospects fit on the teams that they are picked to. And with the first overall pick in the 2020 NBA draft, we have the Golden State Warriors. Making the pick is Adam Gilbert. Adam, take it away. So with the first overall pick, the Golden State Warriors are going to go ahead and select center James Wiseman out of Memphis. Um, I've seen a lot of mock drafts when we were doing this they have Anthony Edwards going first overall. So this might be a little bit untraditional to select James as the first overall, but I love what he brings to the table at the center position. Um, you could, you look around the NBA today and you, I mean, you look at the Houston Rockets and they've got PJ Tucker running around at center and people might think that the, the new version of the NBA is they're going to play small ball all the time. But I think you can't, like you can't pass up on a talent like James Wiseman 
coming out of college. This guy is a skinny version of Joel Embiid if you look at the skill set that he has. And I know we only got to see three games um, because he was deemed ineligible after those three games with the Memphis Tigers. But, man, what he gave us was was really special. The guy was cranking out double-doubles. He has the ability to space the floor and shoot the ball. He's crazy athletic. He's a good defender. And I really do believe if he fills out in the league, and, and he'll have time to do that, he's only 19 years old, freshman at Memphis, he could turn into somebody that, that reminds of a, us of a Joel Embiid once he puts that muscle on. And I think on the lower side, say maybe he doesn't fill out. He, he's got some touch from distance. He reminds me a little bit too of like a Chris Bosh type, um, which is not um, by any stretch of the imagination degrading what he could be to say that he could be Chris Bosh. So I love him as a fit with the Warriors as well. At the first overall pick, they've got that backcourt locked up with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, um, and you put a big body in the middle like Wiseman in to man that center position, and I think it just fills out their roster perfectly. Um, he also gives them a lot of flexibility in terms of wanting to trade that pick to get a proven guy in and make a run at a title. So I think there's a lot of upside to taking him, and that's why I selected him first overall. Perfect. And with the second overall pick, we have the Cleveland Cavaliers, helmed by our man Matt Plesko. Matt, take it away. With the second pick, the Cavaliers are going to select Anthony Edwards. Um, so as Adam mentioned, Anthony Edwards is one of, if not the top prospect in this draft. He is an incredible athlete, truly gifted in that sense. And he really does everything well on the basketball court. And as we know, the Cavs are in desperate need of a lot of things. So this pick was either going to be Anthony Edwards or James Wiseman. And since Adam went with Wiseman, you can't pass up on Edwards. He's an incredible talent, and he's going to be a, a starting guard and potential all-star in the league for years to come. What I really like about him is what I was saying earlier. His athleticism is absolutely insane. Um, he played at Georgia, so they weren't on television a whole lot. But if you got to see him, it, it really just popped off the screen. My favorite comparison I've seen about him, I've seen – a lot of Victor Oladipo, a lot of Dwayne Wade, but I really like Donovan Mitchell. And I really think he could become Donovan Mitchell, if not better, at some point in the near future. Perfect. And with the number three overall pick here, we have the Minnesota Timberwolves. Our man Lucas, take it away. So, yeah, with the third overall pick, the Timberwolves select Lomelo Ball. So the fit isn't quite there in terms of having a pure point guard because they already have D'Angelo Russell, but Russell proved back with when he was in Brooklyn that he could play with another point guard and Spencer Dinwiddie. So I think that that could work. Also, Ball, while not a very strong frame right now, is long and athletic and can guard opposing two. So I don't think that's a problem. I think he can be the primary playmaker, whereas Russell can be the primary scorer there. I think they can play off well with each other, and I think he's the best prospect still on the board at number three. So I think the the front office in Minnesota will just go with him, with him being the best prospect. And I think that makes a lot of sense for them. And with the fourth overall pick, we have the Atlanta Hawks. I myself made that pick. I picked Killian Hayes out of France. Killian is the number two prospect on my board. This doesn't make a lot of sense fit-wise, as obviously the Hawks already have. Elite guard and Trey Young. Hayes doesn't do a ton off the ball right now, so that fit is far from perfect. Uh, similarly to LaMelo in Minnesota, like Lucas just mentioned, but 
I like Hayes a lot. I think he's too good to pass up at this point. At six foot five, he has plenty of size and athleticism to defend opposing two guards. And I think we have seen some successful two ball handler lineups in the league. Um, Hayes already can score really well off the dribble, has a beautiful left-handed step back um, in his arsenal. I think Trey is going to be more than effective off ball in moments. I think, you know, you put Killian in the pick and roll, you have Trey running around screens. I think they can definitely make it work. Trey's a very unselfish passer, very smart player. I don't think he would have any issues um, adjusting to that mixture. I think you put Hayes maybe off the bench as a sixth man that first year, let him develop behind Trey. And, you know, you just, this high in the draft, it's normally best to go with talent over fit. And I think Killian Hayes is absolutely the best talent available. And that's why I picked him for Atlanta number four. So with number five, we have the Detroit Pistons. Making the pick is Jonathan Guybe. Take it away. So with the fifth overall pick, the Detroit Pistons are going to select Obi Toppin from uh, University of Dayton. He was the National College Player of the Year this year. He's a high flyer at the uh, power forward position. He can score, and he didn't get a ton of national attention playing at Dayton, but they were looking to be a one seed going into March Madness had it happened. The Pistons moved away from Andre Drummond this summer, who was more of a conventional big man that's kind of a relic in today's NBA. But pairing Dayton – or, sorry, pairing Topping with Blake Griffin in the front court is just – uh, a front quarter that could be at the top of the Eastern Conference and could build on for a while with a young team. So that's why the Pistons went with Obi Toppin. With the number six overall pick, we have the New York Knicks, again picked by Mr. Jonathan Guy. Take it away. The New York Knicks select Cole Anthony with the six overall pick. Cole Anthony was uh, the point guard for University of North Carolina this season. They had an extremely poor season this year, but that mostly – was not due to Cole Anthony. He got hurt about 11 games into the year, but was an early preseason um, consideration for the Wooden Award. He, The New York Knicks could use any help at any position right now. That franchise is struggling. And Cole Anthony's dad, who played in the NBA, actually started his career in New York, so it could be kind of following in his father's footsteps to play at the Mecca in Madison Square Garden. I think he could be a fit that the Knicks could start to build off of, and they have a couple picks in this draft where they could pair young talent for future teams to hopefully get back to what they used to be. And with the number seven overall pick, we have the Chicago Bulls. The pick being made by Lucas Johnson. Take it away. So with the seventh overall pick, the Bulls select Devin Vassell. I chose this pick for Chicago because right now they already have a dynamic guard rotation with Zach Levine and Kobe White. Kobe White, I think, is going to be a star in this league. I think he can be very good. I just don't think Jim Boylan, their head coach, knows how to use him. They already have a solid front core with Laurie Marketin and Wendell Carter Jr. Currently, their power small forward is Otto Porter, who was injured most of this year but is a solid two-way player. But with that in mind, I, I think I want to go – I went with a small forward here. I chose arguably the best uh, two-way player uh, and 3 and D player in the, in the draft in Vassal. Vassal was a marksman in college from three-point land in two seasons at uh, Florida. And then on top of that, he's a really good defender. So I think having a good defender with, you know, defensive liabilities like um, White and Levine, I think that would be a good – 
complement to their weaknesses on the defensive end, and he's versatile enough to guard at least two, if not three, positions on the perimeter. And with the number eight overall pick, we have the Charlotte Hornets, the pick being made by Matt Pleshko. Take it away. With the eighth pick, the Hornets are going to select Anyeka Nkangu. Um, he played at USC this year. He's an incredibly athletic, energetic big man. He's in a great score around the rim. He's a defensive menace around the basket. He can, re- he can grab a- any rebound at any time. He's an incredible low post player. Um, that's just plain and simple what he is. He needs to develop his outside shooting a little bit. The Hornets, they're a young team at the guard position, but they really need a lot of help at the forward and center position. He might be a bit undersized for center, but definitely he could be a very good, very talented small ball, small ball center. So that's why with the Hornets pick, I'm selecting him. And the ninth overall pick belongs to the Washington Wizards. We're going back to Lucas Johnson. Yeah, so with the ninth overall pick, the Wizards selected Isaac Okoro. Right now, the Wizards have, assuming John Wall gets, becomes healthy again, they have a dynamic front uh, backcourt with Wall and Bradley Beal. They have a young and upcoming power forward in Rui Hachimura, who shows to have promise. Thomas Bryant seems to be a solid rotational center, if not slightly above that. So with that, they decide to go with perimeter defense, and Isaac Coro is arguably the best pure defender in this draft. In terms of offense, he's very limited right now, but he could easily be brought along. He's not going to be asked to do a lot offensively with the Wizards, and their offensive scheme seems to benefit a lot of players. So I think he would be a perfect fit there. He, they can bring him along, his offense along slowly and just ask him to be a defensive anchor in the, in the backcourt. So I like that for them. And I, I, I think that's a good fit. And the number 10 overall pick belongs to the Phoenix Suns, and it's Lucas again. Take it away. So with the 10th overall pick, the Suns select Tyrese Halliburton. Halliburton um, is a dynamic guard up from Iowa State. He's probably one of the top guards in the country. He can score from basically anywhere on the court, I believe. He's a good, solid defender. Um, limited off, you know, defensively, but not not a negative defender by any stretch of the imagination either. So, yeah, Halliburton last season averaged 15 points, five rebounds, six assists, and 2.5 steals. Can pick the pocket for sure. He shot 41% from downtown. I think he's a steal at number 10 at this point. He's the point guard of the future that the Phoenix Suns desperately need, and I think he'd be a nice fit with Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. And the 11th pick belongs to the San Antonio Spurs. We're going to kick it over to Jonathan Geib. Take it away. With the 11th overall pick, the San Antonio Spurs select R.J. Hampton. R.J. Hampton was a top five projected player coming out of high school a year ago. Many expected him to just be one and done at college and go play uh, in the NBA. And he chose to go overseas to play in – for the New Zealand Breakers and New Zealand's professional league. He's an, a great talent, and we know that uh, Greg Pop has a good eye for European talent from Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker. And I think he pairs in the backcourt perfectly with DeJounte Murray, and that could be a powerhouse of a backcourt for the future. Um, so with the 11th pick, that's why the Spurs went with R.J. Hampton. And the 12th overall pick belongs to the Sacramento Kings. Adam Gilbert is making the pick. Go for it. 
So with the 12th overall pick, the Sacramento Kings are going to select small forward Aaron Naismith out of Vanderbilt. Um, I selected him for one reason and one reason only, and that's the fact that this kid can shoot. He's a great shooter. Um, He didn't play the full season with Vandy because he got hurt, so we only saw him for 14 games. We were just about getting into conference play um, when he was injured, but to that point, he was averaging 23 points a game, shooting 51% from the field and 52% behind the line he was over 50 percent um from from three-point land which is just insane and with the way the league is going nowadays with shooting coming at a premium um this is a pick that the kings cannot pass up they would be able to pair him with all the young talent on their roster with De'Aaron Fox Buddy Heald Naismith could play the three and just be a pure catch and shoot Um, catch-and-shoot guy for them. So I think he's an invaluable pickup for the Sacramento Kings, and that's why I have him going at 12. And the 13th overall pick belongs to the New Orleans Pelicans. Matt Pleschko is making this pick. Go for it. With the 13th pick, the New Orleans Pelicans select Denny Odia. Um, You might not have heard of him too much before, but he's a young, talented player out of Israel. Um, He's going to be Israel's first lottery pick, I think, ever. Um, and he's not a perfect fit for the Pelicans, but as Chris was saying earlier with Killian Hayes, he's just too good of a player to pass up. Um, a lot of people have him going top five, top seven at least, so the fact that he slid this far is something you can't pass up for the Pelicans. He's drawn comparisons to Luka Doncic. Um, personally, I don't see him becoming that good, but he's a great offensive player. He can create his own shot well. The only issues he comes de- into are inconsistent shooting, and he needs to shoot better from the foul line. Uh, he shot about 55% from the foul line this year, so it's something that definitely needs to improve for him. In the 14th overall pick, the last pick of the lottery is going to go to the Portland Trailblazers. Making the pick is Adam Gilbert. And with that last pick in the lottery, the Portland Trailblazers are going to go ahead and select uh, Patrick Williams out of Florida State University. Um, And the numbers here are not going to jump off the page for Williams. He averaged 9.2 points, four rebounds, shooting 45% from the field. So he doesn't feel like a prospect that like jumps out at you. But you have to remember with Florida State, uh, they had a team that went 11 deep, and those guys played mostly equal minutes. So Williams was coming off the bench for them, but he was getting good time. Um, he's an athletic guy. He can guard multiple positions, stretch the floor out to the three-point line, and I think the value he really brings to the Trailblazers, a team with Willard and McCollum, um, is a guy who can play the stretch four because the Trailblazers have Yusuf Nurkic, they have Hassan Whiteside, and this year they've kind of plugged Carmelo Anthony into that stretch four spot with Zach Collins coming off the bench. Um, I think you give Williams time to grow into that role coming off the bench, and he could be their stretch four of the future. And moving out of the lottery and into the second half of the first round, we are going to the Orlando Magic with the 15th overall pick. Matt Pleschko is making that one. Take it away. With the 15th pick, the Orlando Magic selects Sadiq Bey out of Villanova. The Magic need a lot on their roster right now. Um, And two of the things they need the most are three-point shooting and defense, and that's exactly what Bey provides. He does everything well. He doesn't do very much exceptionally well, um, but he shoots the ball well. He defends well. He can score off the dribble. He He can score off the screen um he can he does everything well he's a good athlete and he's really kind of gonna be in my mind he'll become a Chris Middleton in a few years he's one of my favorite players in this draft 
and he will excel on the Magic. The 16th overall pick belongs to the Minnesota Timberwolves, making their second pick of the first round. Lucas Johnson, take it away. So after selecting Lamelo Ball with the first with the third overall pick, the Minnesota Timberwolves select with the 16th pick, Precious. I, I apologize if I pronounce his last name incorrect, incorrectly. Uh, Precious Achuo. Is that how you pronounce it, guys? I think I think you got it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I'm just going to say Precious. Precious is a six foot nine defensive monster. He averaged uh, almost 16 points and almost 11 rebounds with one steal per game, around one steal per game, and almost two blocks per game. So he's the type of defensive anchor that the Timberwolves need at the power forward position because, as we know, Town Carl Anthony Towns, despite his offensive gifts, is a liability on the defensive end. And the other reason why I think the Timberwolves go here is because Precious is has potential as a three-point shooter. Last season, he shot 32%, 32.5% from deep. And with the way that the Timberwolves are trying to become a, a kind of like a version of Minnesota because their uh, general manager is from uh, – not Minnesota. how uh, The Minnesota Timberwolves are trying to become more like the Houston Rockets because their general manager was from from Houston. I think this is – this fits them very well. The 17th overall pick belongs to the Boston Celtics. Jonathan Guy was making that one. Take it away. With the 17th overall pick, the Boston Celtics are going to select point guard Nico Mannion from Arizona. Nico is a scoring kind of point guard. He defends incredibly well. They already have Kemba in Boston, but Kemba is also kind of a score-first point guard as opposed to Ben Simmons obviously goes for the – he's got court vision, goes with the passing. Both of these in Nico and Kemba could play the two-guard position. So I think pairing them together would make a solid backcourt in Boston. And back again is Jonathan for the 18th pick, which belongs to the Dallas Mavericks. Take it away. With the 18th pick, the Dallas Mavericks are going to select Tyrese Maxey out of the University of Kentucky. Maxey can – straight score. He can put up whenever he needs to. The Mavericks are a young team that have two solid players going into the future that could be superstars with Luka, Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis. So I think Maxi in his first year could come off the bench and provide that spark and be the scorer for the second unit um, on a team that, who knows, they could go far next to the Western Conference. I think Maxi fits in perfectly in in Dallas. The 19th overall pick belongs to the Milwaukee Bucks. I made that one. They're going to select Tyrell Terry out of Stanford. He's one of my favorite prospects in this draft. One of the best shooters on the board, which makes him a pretty hand and glove fit next to Giannis. He has some real point guard skills as well. Extremely smart on the ball, can run the pick and roll. Um, Eric Bledsoe has given Milwaukee a couple of really strong seasons here, but we have seen his offense kind of sputter out in the past. Um, in the postseason, Milwaukee needs as many shooters as they can get around Giannis. Um, Terry could maybe kind of be brought in as the um, as, as the bridge to the future there at point guard. Um, you know, on the move, standing still, pulling up, he can hit all sorts of shots, has really deep range, really beautiful touch. Um, and it, he's a bit undersized. He's only, I think, listed at 160 pounds, but Milwaukee has the size and the defensive versatility to kind of cover that. So I think this is one of the 
easily one of the best fits on the board. And the 20th overall pick belongs to the Brooklyn Nets. Adam Gilbert is going to make that one. Take it away. So with the 20th overall pick, the Brooklyn Nets are going to select power forward Jaden McDaniels out of the University of Washington. Um, So just to talk about the Nets, first and foremost, they're going to be an absolutely mean team next year. You've got Kevin Durant coming back off his Achilles injury to join Kyrie, DeAndre Jordan, Spencer Dinwiddie, and a litany of young talent on a team that's probably going to be the favorite in the East. Um, so what they're looking to do in this draft is just add some versatility to their roster, and I think that's what Jaden McDaniels gives them. He's a long, skinny forward. He's a lanky scorer. He's got the ability to stretch the defense, to to play inside. I guess the only concern you could have with him is filling out. He's a rather skinny kid, so there's some worry around him getting pushed around in the league, but I think you give him some time in the NBA, and he, he will fill out. Um, the Nets will have the ability to go big with him, to go small, and have Kevin Durant uh, play the center position. And his play style even reminds you of a, a little bit of a lesser Kevin Durant. So there's a lot of reasons to be excited if he is the pick for the Brooklyn Nets. And with the number 21 overall pick, we have the Denver Nuggets, helmed by Lucas Johnson. Take it away. So, yeah, with the 20th overall, 21st overall pick, the Nuggets select Josh Green. Josh Green is one of the best athletes in this draft. Uh, and after Denver traded away Malik Beasley, they don't really have any a lot of depth on the perimeter. So Green makes a lot of sense for them here. He can, you know, he's a versatile defender, really good at, like I said, a really good athlete. In college, he averaged 12 points, four and a half rebounds, and two assists. 1.5 steals, convert about 36% of his three-pointers. He's probably not going to be a star in this league, but he can. He, he would definitely add a more uh, depth to the Nuggets' wing rotation, which they need moving forward. And the 22nd overall pick, of course, belongs to the Philadelphia 76ers. I have the honor of making that pick, and my pick was Kira Lewis Jr. out of Alabama. Again, one of my favorites in this class. I was very pleased with how often my favorites uh, were available when we were making these picks. Lewis might be the fastest guy in this um, upcoming rookie class, just end-to-end in terms of a, you know, an elite first step. He has a lot of kick there. Uh, the Sixers can obviously use some speed in the rotation, someone to get inside, pressure the rim, or run with Ben in transition, however you slice it. I really like that for them. And Lewis is also just has a very well-rounded skill set um, at the point guard spot. He can shoot well, spot up if he needs to. Um, a very intelligent, measured playmaker. He, he really checks a lot of boxes for the modern NBA. The Sixers need some help at that point guard position, even if Shake Milton is going to step in and be the starter moving forward. Having a solid backup point guard is going to be important, um, you know, as Ben transitions more to a full-time power forward role. I like Kira Lewis a lot here. He's, he's several spots higher on my big board, so I'm very pleased with that one. And the 23rd overall pick belongs to the Miami Heat. Lucas Johnson is back again making this pick. Take it away. So with the 23rd overall pick, the Miami Heat select Jalen Smith. I like Smith here because he's, he's, a, he's developed a lot in the two years that he played at Maryland. I think he would be an ideal fit with Bam Adebayo and the Heat's front court. He's 6'10". He's averaged 15.5 re- points, 10.5 rebounds. To almost two and a half blocks while converting 36.8% of his three-pointers. The fact that he can stretch the floor is ideal for Bam Adebayo, who has yet to prove that he can stretch the floor despite he, despite that he's still an all-star. So 
So I think they can interchange defensively. I think that's good. And I, I also just like the fact – I like those two as a pairing. I think that would be a great front court for the Miami Heat to have moving forward in the future. And the number 24 overall pick belongs to the Utah Jazz. Matt Pleschko is making this one. Take it away. The Jazz select Jameis Ramsey um, out of Texas Tech. He's a point guard. Um, he's very young. He was born in June of 2001. So he's still, what, just barely, barely 19 years old now. Um, the Jazz, as a team right now, they obviously have Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell and, those, and Rudy Gobert. Those are, they're big pieces, and it's hard to get stars into Utah, but they're not going to be able to get another star in this draft. So what they can do is solidify their backup guard spots with Jordan Clarkson potentially out the door after this year. Um, so that's exactly what Ramsey does. He's a scoring guard. He's a great dribbler. He's fast. He's a decent rebounder given his small size. He's not a true one guard, um, so he could play the two as well. The only things he really needs to improve on are his passing ability and his ability to score in traffic. The number 12 overall pick belongs to the OKC Thunder. Jonathan Geib is going to be making this one. Jonathan, take it away. With the 25th overall pick, the Oklahoma City Thunder will select Vernon Carey Jr. from Duke. Uh, Carey led the Blue Devils in points, rebounds, and blocks this past season. He was arguably their best player. He's, he was a freshman, so he's, he's a one-and-done, ready to go to the NBA. I think he fits great in Oklahoma City. They surprised everyone this year, even making the playoffs, but they're also up in the fifth seed at the current moment. And I think having a big body that can play down low would pair well with Chris Paul. And I think Carey's just the guy for OKC. And Jonathan is back again with the number 26 overall pick. This is the Boston Celtics making their second pick of the first round. John, take it away. With the 26th pick, the Boston Celtics are going to select Trey Jones. He also played at Duke last year with Vernon Carey. He led the Blue Devils in the rest of the stats with assists and steals. He plays pretty similar to his brother Tyus Jones. He's most likely going to be a role player in the NBA, but he plays hard defense. He has a decent three-point shot, and he knows how to get his uh, teammates in the right position. Earlier I talked about Kemba and Nico Mannion both being shoot-first point guards. Trey Jones is just the opposite. He's more of a pass-first point guard, traditional, old school. I think he can run the second unit in Boston, and I think he's a great addition. And the 27th overall pick belongs to the New York Knicks. This is going to be Jonathan again. Take it away. With the 27th pick, the New York Knicks are going to select Zeke Naji from Arizona. The Knicks selected Cole Anthony earlier. I think having a young point guard and a young forward come up together is just what they need. It can kind of help with the rebuild. Najee wasn't the most recruited coming out of high school, but he used the most of his one year at Arizona. He averaged 16 points per game, 8.6 rebounds per game. He just knows where to position himself on the floor, and I think he's perfectly ready to transition to the NBA and will help the Knicks, hopefully, if they're trying to get this rebuild. The number 28 pick belongs to the Toronto Raptors. This is going to be Adam Gilbert making the pick. Take it away. 
So with the 28th overall pick, the Toronto Raptors are going to select center Daniel Oturu out of the University of Minnesota. Uh, this is going to be the first of a string of picks where I take from the Big Ten because I love the Big Ten conference. Um, Oturu averaged 20.1 points and 11.2 rebounds per game, uh, shooting over 50% from the field. Uh, he's 6'10", big body with range, a post game, and a nose for rebounding the basketball. Uh, his fit with the Raptors is a great one. I think you need somebody to pair next to Pascal Siakam um, because the centers that they have there, they've got Marcus Gasol, they've got Serge Ibaka. These guys are only getting older. Uh, they're not going to play the heavy minutes that you'd want to rely on them to play. So I think you plug Oturu in there, let him learn from uh, two great players uh, in the NBA and then eventually give him the reins to play next to Pascal Siakam. And I think they could be quite the dynamic duo in Toronto. The number 29 pick belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. I had the pleasure of making that pick. And I apologize if I butcher his name because it's quite it's quite a doozy, but the Lakers are going to select Alexis Poshevsky. Um Probably my favorite draft and stash candidate in this year's class. A really smooth athlete at seven feet. Um, shoots the ball like a wing. Can run around screens. Shoot on the move. Just a really special um, size and skill package there. He is extremely thin, and there's a chance because of how thin he is that he doesn't really make it at the NBA um, level. That's obviously a big concern. Um, so his, his downside is very real. But in terms of upside, someone who can shoot, dribble, and pass the way he does at his size, it's really special. The Lakers need someone to kind of develop in the front court next to Anthony Davis long term. I think he makes a lot of sense on that front. And, you know, he's top 15 on my board. So I think this is great value. Another one I'm very excited about. Um, and the number 30 overall pick belongs, again, to the Boston Celtics. We're going back to Jonathan Geib. Take it away. With the 30th pick, uh, rounding out the first draft in the 2020 draft, the Boston Celtics are going to select Isaiah Stewart from the University of Washington. The Celtics went small in their first two picks, taking two guards, and I think that they could use some help, help in the front court. They're a strong team in the East, as we all know, being Sixers fans. They've done pretty well, but I think the front court's kind of their area of concern. They play with Daniel Tice and Ennis Cantor as their main two big men at the center position. I think Isaiah Stewart can be a big contributor even in his first year. He was averaging 17 points and eight rebounds per game last year as a freshman. He was the only reason that anyone knew anything about the University of Washington basketball team. And I think that having some young front court talent is what the Celtics need to get to that next level. All right. And that will conclude the first round of the 2020 NBA draft. We're going to move on here. Go right into the second round. The first overall pick of the second round, number 31, belongs to the Dallas Mavericks. Jonathan is back making that pick. Take it away. With the 31st pick in this year's draft, the Dallas Mavericks are going to select Leandro Balmaro. Balmaro is a European prospect, which, again, similar to Hampton playing in New Zealand, the European and overseas um, talent doesn't get – as much acknowledged in sports center and ESPN and stuff like that. So it's hard to kind of get a feel for those client or those players. It's also hard for scouts to go over and see them play. But I think Bomaro has first round talent. I think if there's anyone other than 
the San Antonio Spurs organization to know good European or good foreign talent. It would be the Dallas Mavericks, obviously with Doncic and Porzingis. I think Balmaro or Maxi, as I discussed earlier, who they drafted, could become the backcourt mate with Doncic, and they can both compete uh, going into training camp next year. But I think Balmaro is a great addition for the Dallas Mavericks. The 32nd overall pick is going to go to the Charlotte Hornets. Matt Pleshko is making that one. Take it away. With the second pick in the second round, the Hornets select Teo Maldon. Um, like Balmaro, he's an overseas player. Um, he lives in. He played in France this year. He's a terrific playmaker. Uh, the, his, the big thing he needs to improve on is being more aggressive and taking more shots. Um, he gets the ball to all of his teammates terrifically. He's a good athlete. He has a tremendous feel for the game. He can handle his own on defense. He's good. He's good size for the point guard position at six four. Um, he's about one seventy five, one eighty. So if he can improve on his shooting, like, like we were talking about earlier, um, having Okongwu as the Hornets selected earlier and Maldon coming up together, it could be a terrific combination. And the number 33 overall pick is going to go to the Minnesota Timberwolves. That belongs to Lucas Johnson. Take it away. So with the 33rd overall pick, the Timberwolves select Tyler Bay. The, the Timberwolves up to this draft have addressed the point guard situation as well as the power forward situation, and now they need to get some perimeter help. Bay is an interesting prospect. He's six foot seven, averaged nine rebounds last season as a small forward. Has potential as both a defender and three point shooter, but has question marks about his three point shooting as it's been up and down throughout his college, his three years in college, but. I think he at the 33rd pick, he's of great value. I know I've seen him on Tankathon as a first-round pick, so I think at this point this the Timberwolves will get solid value for Bay at the 33rd pick. The number 34 overall pick belongs to the Philadelphia 76ers. That is, again, me making the pick. My selection was Killian Tilly out of Gonzaga, another guy who I like a lot, a first-round talent in my book. He's had a ton of injuries. Um, mostly dealing with his lower body over the course of his four seasons at Gonzaga. There are major durability concerns there. But if he can stay healthy, I think he's one of the smartest players in this draft, you know, over the six foot six, six foot seven mark. At seven feet tall, he can pass, moves pretty well still despite his injuries. You know, a honey sweet shot from deep. The Sixers already have two very prominent centers on the roster, obviously, in Joel Embiid and Al Horford. But I think Tilly has the potential versatility to play the four if necessary. And we also really don't have a good grasp on Horford's future at this point. So I think it makes sense for the Sixers to use one of their many second-round picks, uh, you know, to fill out some depth in the front court. So I like Tilly a lot there. And the number 35 overall pick belongs to the Sacramento Kings. Adam Gilbert is making that pick. Take it away. So with the 35th overall pick, the Sacramento Kings will select Ayo DeSumu out of the University of Illinois. Um, he averaged 16.6 points, shooting 48% from the field, but an abysmal 29% from the three-point line. So you see that statistic and you go, well, there are certainly better shooting guards left in the draft that, that can shoot the ball from three better than he can, and that's true. 
Um, but I like him over those guards. He's a, he's a slashing guard and he's got an attitude. And that's really the real reason that I have the Kings taking him here in the early second round. Uh, he's hit a game winner against Michigan in Big Ten play, put the closing touches on games against Penn State, who had a resurgent season, Wisconsin and, Indi- and Wisconsin and Indiana, who are always formidable opponents in the Big Ten. Uh, you cannot teach confidence. You can improve shooting, and that's why I think the Kings should take Io at this point in the second round. And the 36th overall pick is back to the Philadelphia 76ers. I picked Emmanuel quickly out of Kentucky, another guy who I really like, who I think is really solid value um, at this stage in the draft. Um, the Sixers already picked up some speed earlier with Kira Lewis at number 22, but quickly just adds to it another very quick twitch guard among the perimeter that combo guard role very long with a lot of potential versatility on defense, especially if he can strengthen up his core. Um, he shoots the three, both in high volume and high efficiency. So just obviously checks a ton of boxes for Philadelphia on that front as someone who can just kind of, you know, step in and spice up the offense off the bench. I, I like this pick quite a bit. The number 37 pick will belong to the Washington Wizards. That's going to Lucas Johnson. Take it away. So with the 37th pick, the Wizards select Grant Ryle, uh, Ryler. Ryler isn't a great playmaker, but is really good scorer. And while you know they would hope that John Wall will be able to recover, they have to start thinking about the future. And Ryler could be at least a stopgap, if not the answer, moving forward. And if Wall does recover, he'd still be a dynamic backup for Wall as well. The number 38 overall pick will belong to the New York Knicks. That's swinging it back to Jonathan Guy. Take it away. With the 38th overall pick, the New York Knicks will select Elijah Hughes from Syracuse. Hughes is pretty much defined by one thing, and that's his scoring. He is a streaky shooter percentage-wise, though. He's a high-volume shooter. He puts his shots up, but he's drastically improved his points per game year over year. He led the ACC in scoring this past year. And I think that, again, I think the Knicks are, have always been kind of in trouble. But I think this past year, I mean, we've just seen how poor they've been. So if they want to put him in right away to play alongside Cole Anthony, who top scorers from the ACC could maybe spark the Knicks to some high scoring wins next year. But I think Hughes would fit in well with the Knicks. All right, and the number 39 overall pick belongs to the New Orleans Pelicans. That's Matt Pleshko. Take it away. With the 39th pick, the Pelicans select Cassius Stanley out of Duke. Stanley was kind of unheard of, really, coming into Duke um, until the beginning of the season. He helped Duke win over Kansas um, in his Champions Classic. And what really popped off the screen there was his raw athleticism. Um, he can jump out of the building. He's a tremendous athlete, just absolutely incredible. And he fits this Pelican roster really well. He can slide into that backup point guard spot or that third string shooting guard spot. And he's a perfect fit for the Pelicans with that incredible athleticism. And the number 40 overall pick belongs to the Memphis Grizzlies. That's going to be Matt Pleshko again. Take it away. With the 40th pick, the Grizzlies select Desmond Bain. Bain is one of my favorite players in this draft. Um, He could easily fill in. He's going to be a solid role player in the NBA for years and years to come. He's going to 
probably be the Grizzlies' backup point guard or backup shooting guard. I'm sorry, this year. Uh, he's an incredible shooter. This year, he shot 45% from three, which wasn't even his best year shooting in college. He played all four years in college, and I personally love that, how he gains all of that experience. He does everything else well as well. Um, he's a good playmaker. He's a good rebounder. He plays good defense. The only thing he can really improve on um, is his speed off the dribble, but that's something that obviously NBA teams can help you improve. The number 41 pick belongs to the San Antonio Spurs. That's going to go back to Jonathan Guy. Take it away. With the 41st pick, the San Antonio Spurs are going to select Udoku Azabuke from the University of Kansas. He was the Big 12 Player of the Year this past season, and he set a record for highest field goal percentage in a season. That's mainly because almost all his shots come from two to five feet within the uh, within close to the rim. He's a bruiser, a kind of player that is going extinct in the NBA, but he was incredibly dominant in certain college basketball games to the point where you haven't seen someone own other other teams the way he did. I think the pullback here is he would have gone higher based off his entire skill, but as I was saying, it's just his skill set doesn't really fit in the NBA nowadays. If anyone can get it to work, though, it would definitely be Greg Popovich with the San Antonio Spurs, and hopefully he can have some sort of resurgence because he's uh, he's a great talent. The number 42 overall pick belongs again to the New Orleans Pelicans. Matt Pleshko is going to be making this one. Take it away. With the 42nd pick, Pelicans select Ashton Hagens. So, Hagens, this is a bit of a reach for him, um, some people would say. But for me, it's too good of a, of a fit with the Pelicans to pass up on. He's not a great shooter, um, but that's something that can be improved. But what he is, is he's, an, he's a good athlete, and he's incredibly fast. Um, and he's an amazing passer. So, with all the weapons, especially with Pelicans taking Abdija earlier in this draft, Hagen's will be able to run the court extremely well and dish the, dish the ball out um, to DJ for three, JJ Redick for three, or throwing lobs to Zion. And he's just a tremendous fit, even though this is a bit of a reach for him. And with the number 43 overall pick, we have the Sacramento Kings. That's going to be Albert Adam Gilbert, pardon me, making the pick. Take it away. So with the 43rd overall pick, the Sacramento Kings are going to go ahead and select Jordan Wara out of Louisville. Um, so Wara is a, a proven winner, a hard worker. You can see it in the improvement that he made during his time at Louisville. Um, in his freshman year, he averaged about five points per game, and he was clearly committed to the improvement of his game because he upped his scoring last season to 18 points per, um, which is just a dramatic improvement that you see there. And I think he's a great second round three and D type player sort of talent. He can shoot the three, he can slash to the rim, finish around the basket. And he's got the size to be a great defender in the NBA. And right now, if I'm the Sacramento Kings, I've got a lot of young talent up and down my roster. And I'm just going to keep stashing away these three and D type talents and hope that in hopes that a couple of them are going to stick as major keys in my rotation. The number 44 overall pick belongs to the Portland Trailblazers. Adam Gilbert is back again making this pick. Take it away. And with the 44th overall pick, the Portland Trailblazers are going to take guard Mason Jones out of the University of Arkansas. Um, the big thing to mention with, with Jones is that he was the SEC scoring champion last season, averaging 22 points per game. Um, and you watch the highlights 
of what he was able to do against some pretty good teams in the SEC. And he just puts the ball in the basket in absolutely every way imaginable. He has the ability to create his own shot. He can get it on the fast break. He lays it up well. He can knock down the catch and shoot three. Um, and I think he just fits really well with the Portland Trailblazers. Um, the Blazers obviously have a lot of talent on their team, but I think their bench is a little bit lackluster. They've got some guys that come off and play well, but there's not someone on the team where you're just like, wow, when he comes off, he makes an immediate difference. Not like a sixth man type like Lou Will or what Jason Terry was and what Eric Gordon does with the Houston Rockets. And I think Jones has the ability to develop into that kind of player. I don't think he'll be it immediately for the Trailblazers, but I think all the potential in the world is there. And the 45th overall pick belongs to the Orlando Magic. We are going to swing it back to Matt Pleshko for this one. Take it away. With the 45th pick, the Magic select Cassius Winston out of Michigan State. Winston has all the accolades, um, starting as a freshman, uh, going to sophomore, even in high school where he won state championship and Mr. Basketball in Michigan. Everything, all the recognition is there. And the talent is equally there as well. He's a good scorer. He's a good shooter. Um, he's a good playmaker. He plays good defense. He does everything well. The things he can improve on is really just being less unselfish. Um, so shooting the ball more himself. He can get better at rebounding. Um, he's a bit undersized for, for his position. He's not a great athlete, so that's kind of why he's not the best at rebounding. But what I was talking about earlier with experience Winston's a senior, and if you haven't read up about his story, it's an incredible story. He lost his brother last year. Um, it's a truly incredible story you have to read about, but he, he's not going to quit, and that's exactly what teams are looking for. The 46th overall pick belongs to the Boston Celtics. That's going to be Jonathan Geib. Take it away. The 46th pick, the Boston Celtics are going to select guard Malachi Flynn. Flynn is an electric player. He's another guard. I know I've already picked two guards previously for the Celtics this draft pick. In complete honesty, it might have subconsciously been biased because as a Sixers fan, I'm trying to tank their team. But more or less, the true reason is I don't expect Danny Ainge to keep all these picks. He's got, I think, three first-round picks and a couple in the second round. He, he's always making moves. He's one of the best general managers in the league. So I think it's unlikely they keep them all. But if they do, Flynn's an electric uh, guard. He can play the one or the two. He's improved his three-point percentage year over year for the past – for his three seasons within college. And I just think he can help any team off the bench. The 47th overall pick belongs to the Chicago Bulls. Lucas Johnson is going to be making that one. Take it away. With the 47th pick, the Bulls select Robert Woodard. The Bulls don't have a lot of depth on the perimeter. Uh, yeah, they need wing depth. And Woodard, I am honestly surprised he fell as far as he did in this draft. He's six foot seven, two hundred thirty pounds. Potential as a three and D. I even kind of like him as a as potentially a stretch four, but we'd have to see how he develops. But just based off his frame alone, he could do it. So I think he's just a. I think he's the best avail one of the best available players left at this point, and I like him. And he feels the need of perimeter depth that the Wizards, uh, not the Wizards, the uh, Bulls desperately need. All right. The 48th overall pick belongs to the Golden State Warriors. We're going to swing it back to Adam Gilbert for this one. With the 48th overall pick, the Golden State Warriors are going to select Lamar Stevens out of Penn State. 
I'll be very upfront with the selection. I just graduated from Penn State, so I am biased towards Lamar Stevens, but I got to watch him up close for an entire year, um, and he is a special player. He led the Nittany Lions to what would have been uh, their first tournament berth since 2011 and came back to Penn State to continue to work on his games so that he would be NBA ready at the end of the year. He's got good size. He can put the ball in the basket, plays defense on multiple positions, a great frame, good body already um and i think he can come in for the golden state warriors and just be a contributor off the bench he's not going to do a lot but he'll come in and, and you won't notice a drop off with him being in the game i think he can hold things together and that really showed through this year with how he led penn state um to an historic season so with the 49th overall pick we have again the philadelphia 76ers i made that pick i selected Devon Dotson out of Kansas. This is somewhat similar to what Jonathan mentioned a little while ago with the Celtics, where Philly has five second-round picks. I'm almost certain they won't keep all five of those um, when the draft rolls around. But I think Dotson is just way too talented to pass up um, this late in the second round. Another guard, the Sixers could obviously use some um, help in the backcourt. Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson are both free agents this upcoming summer. Um, Howell Neto as well, so they can they can use some filler um, at, at the those shooting guard and point guard roles. Um, Dotson isn't the most consistent shooter, but he's another just turbocharged athlete. He can get to the rim, burst inside, great first step. Um, he, he's going to score the ball. He gets buckets. That's his role. The Sixers have benefited from players of that type in recent history, so I think this makes quite a bit of sense um, this late in the second round. The 50th overall pick belongs to the Indiana Pacers. I made that pick as well. They're going to select Xavier Tillman Sr. out of Michigan State. This is another example of just talent over fit. Indiana doesn't really need a big man. Both Miles Turner and DeMontis Sabonis are going to get a lot of minutes at center there. Um, but Tillman is just a really smart, solid, all-around big. Plays the pick and roll well. Finishes sufficiently inside. Um, can defend you know, up and down a position or two. Uh, just a really smart, all-around, fundamental basketball player and probably a top 30, 35 guy for me. So, again, just just too good to pass up at the 50 spot. And with the 51st overall pick, we have the Oklahoma City Thunder. This is going to be Jonathan Geib. Take it away. With the 55th, 51st pick, the Oklahoma City Thunder select Luke Garza, power forward from Iowa. Luca Garza has been kind of non-committal on if he's going in the draft, and I think if he falls to 51, or if he gets the feeling that he's going to fall to 51, he's going to go back to school for his senior year. But he has been probably my favorite player to watch this past year in college basketball. He is very smart. He knows the game well. Uh, he was a Wooden Award finalist, and this season he increased both his points and rebounds per game, 24 points per game, 10 rebounds per game, getting four of those on the offensive I think Garza has an NBA body. He's ready to play in the NBA tomorrow if he was drafted. But it seems like a lot of the talk has him dropping into the second round. So I wouldn't be surprised if he tries to go back to college for a senior year and maybe get into a lottery pick. If he does go into the NBA, though, the Oklahoma City Thunder would be a great place for him to land, um, be able to be taught by uh, Chris Paul. I think they both have similar – all-in mindset, so I think the Thunder would be a great spot. And the 52nd overall pick belongs to the Atlanta Hawks. I made that pick. I selected Corey Kispert out of Gonzaga, another 
pick where I really enjoy the value. Um, the Hawks have needed some help on defense for a while, but they, they addressed that quite a bit this past season with DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish, and Clint Capella. So here in the second round, they're going to go and add some shooting on the wing. Kispert is one of the better three-point marksmen in the draft. Has really beautiful mechanics. He should be able to step in right away and kind of function as that off-ball, off-movement shooter um, next to Trey Young. Um, the Hawks have quite a bit of depth or young depth on the perimeter at this point, so I don't think Kispert is by any means someone who's going to step in and immediately hold a role, but as someone to kind of develop in that in that deep talent pool that they have and bring along as another shooter next to two great playmakers in Trey Young and Killian Hayes. I like it quite a bit. And the 53rd overall pick is going to belong to the Sacramento Kings. That's Adam Gilbert. Take it away. With the 53rd overall pick, the Sacramento Kings are going to go ahead and select Chris Smith out of UCLA. Um, this is just me continuing to load up on 3 and T, three and D type guards for Sacramento. And Chris Smith is absolutely the icing on the cake of those selections. Um, he has a really patient athleticism is what I would call it. Uh, I watched some highlights on him picking zones apart and he faced quite a few zones in the past year playing college ball and just his ability to catch the ball at the high post and make an intelligent basketball decision on either pulling up from mid range there or taking a dribble and driving to the rim. Um, so you can tell he's got a really high basketball IQ and the shooting and slashing ability um, to match that IQ. I think his basketball IQ, IQ will also likely accelerate his development in the NBA and he might even be able to contribute as a rookie on the Sacramento Kings. So that being said, that's my recent installment of the 3 and D player for the Sacramento Kings. And the 54th overall pick belongs to the Golden State Warriors. We are going back to Adam once more. Take it away. With the 54th overall pick, the Golden State Warriors are going to select guard Peyton Pritchard out of Oregon. Um, I love Peyton Pritchard, especially for the Golden State Warriors. He reminds me of TJ McConnell, uh, but with range. Uh, which gets me really excited because I know we love TJ McConnell as 76ers fans. So he's a great second round steal. He brings tenacity to the game. He was the PAC 12 player of the year last season, running that offense at Oregon. So I think you put him on the golden state warriors bench and he makes an immediate impact coming off it. And with the 55th overall pick, we have the Brooklyn nets. Adam is going to go for the three Pete here. Take it away. With the three-peat at the 55th overall pick, the Brooklyn Nets will select Jared Butler out of Baylor. Um, he was the leading scorer on arguably the best team in college basketball last year in the Baylor Bears. Uh, I love him as the steal of the second round for me and for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, if this guy falls to you this late in the draft, you've got to take him regardless of team need. And I know the Nets have a lot of really good guards, um, but I think if he's talented enough, he'll find a way to fit into their rotation. He's got a skill set that fits every area of the game. He can pass, shoot, create his own shot, finish around the rim. And he's especially exceptional at prodding the defense and, and finding the weak spots in it. And then he exploits those well. Uh, his numbers don't necessarily jump off the page, but he flourished in matchups against guys out of Kansas and, and other big-time schools. And I think the fact that he flourished in those matchups gives me enough of a reason to think that he deserves a chance in the NBA. Um, and so I'll be picking him with the 55th overall pick. With the 56th overall pick, we are going to the Charlotte Hornets. That's Matt Pleshko. Take it away. 
With the 56th pick, the Charlotte Hornets select Skylar Mays out of LSU. Continuing with the senior experience that I like so much, Mays is a senior. Um, he's one of the oldest players in the draft, actually. Right now, he's about 22 years old. Um, he's 6'4", 205 pounds, so he's a, he's a good size. And he's a streaky shooter, or at least he was for his freshman through junior seasons. This season, he really took a giant increase in his shooting. Um, his field goal percentage went up 7% from 42 to 49. His three-point percentage went up 8% from 31 to 39. And he's really just increased greatly this past this, this season. Um, it's a shame that the season was cut short because it would have been great to see what he could do in the conference tournament. But this season has been great for me. He's been really improving, and that's why I decided to take him. And the 57th overall pick belongs to the L.A. Clippers. Matt is back again for this pick. Take it away. With the 57th pick, the Clippers select Paul Reed out of DePaul. In my mind, this is the steal of the draft. Um, Paul Reed is a first-round talent through and through. Um, he's going to be in five years. We're going to look back on this draft and say he's the best defender out of this draft class. His shooting this year took a bit of a step down, um, but everything else went up. His assists and rebounds both skyrocketed. His blocks and steals went up as well. Um, he's an incredible athlete, and he can play the three, four, or five spot. Um, he needs to become a bit more aggressive offensively, but other than that, his defensive upside is absolutely insane. The 58th overall pick belongs to the Toronto Raptors. That's Adam Gilbert making the pick. Go for it. So with the 58th overall pick, the Toronto Raptors are going to select center Kerry Blackshear Jr. out of Florida. Uh, at this point in the draft, for me, it becomes – finding a guy that has talent and character and that those things are going to work together. So you're really looking for a guy who's going to work hard in your organization and buy in and just work to improve every day. I think Toronto is an absolutely exceptional organization. And I think Blackshear fits that mold. He's very much an effort guy. Um, he's an effort rebounder. He scores in awkward ways, but he finds ways to score. He spent time at Virginia Tech before transferring to Florida to finish out his college career. Um, and I think he's a guy that you can plug into your G League affiliate and you can just watch him develop um, into a player that you can hopefully eventually get into your NBA rotation. And the 59th overall pick belongs to, again, the Philadelphia 76ers. This is their fifth and final second-round pick. And I selected Isaiah Joe out of Arkansas. We've been talking a lot these past few picks about steals of the draft. And I think this has a very real chance to be that for Philly. Um, Joe has a lot of injury concerns, similar to Killian Tilly, who they picked earlier in the 30s. But when you have five second-round picks, you can take some swings for the fences. I think if Joe pans out, if he stays healthy, he has, like, the upside of a first-round pick. He's six foot seven, one of the best shooters on the board. Of course, Philly needs as much shooting as possible around Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. And I really like the um, potential upside this late in the draft. He's certainly someone I could see carving out minutes in the very near future if he's healthy, if he's able-bodied. So this is a no-brainer for me at 59. And the 60th overall pick, the final pick in the 2020 NBA draft, belongs to the New Orleans Pelicans. That's Matt Pleshko finishing this out for us. Take it away. Yep, Chris. So with the final pick, the Pelicans select Mamadi Diakite out of Virginia. Um, you know, and more experience here being a redshirt senior. Um, and, you know, with the last pick in the draft, you're not 
going to get an instant impact player. So Diakite, he is a project despite his age, but he's a great and grind player. He will grind out anything for you. Um, he has a good size, and his ceiling is going to be a role player in the NBA. You know, obviously he'll start in the G League and he'll develop. He'll develop his offensive abilities, which kind of need to improve, but defensively and athletically, he already has the skills. All right. That was a lot of fun, guys. Um, I want to thank each and every one of you again for coming on. We're going to bring in Uriah here real quick for our Twitter poll of the week, and we're going to get everyone's thoughts on this. Uh, so, Uriah, take it away. Yeah, guys. First off, you guys did a fantastic job giving us some good analysis on some of these young guys coming in. So kudos to you. Thanks for giving us all that great information. So speaking of information on our Twitter site, at Sixers Sense, we did our Twitter poll of the week. And the infograph uh, image ended up showing uh, some players uh, facing the Sixers, but the question had to do with their actual team. So the question was, which team gives the Sixers the most matchup problems? So the options are the Boston Celtics, the Miami Heat, the Milwaukee Bucks, and the Toronto Raptors. Along the board, a lot of people thought the Raptors, based on the thread I'm looking at right now. But uh, one particular Twitter follower had something to elaborate on, and I'll just read it real quick. And that tweet comes from Tom Hansen at Jump Street World. He said the Raptors have not only the length to keep up with the Sixers, but the speed and the depth to overpower them. They are very well coached and have great chemistry. It would also be one of the toughest teams to face for Embiid with capable bigs who can stop him while he's on offense. What do you guys think? Do you guys think the Raptors, the Bucks, the Heat, or the Celtics? That's a tough one. I would say definitely the top two would have to be the uh, the Raptors and the Heat because they've given the the Sixers the hardest time. Between the two of them, I'm going to say the Raptors, and it's just because the Heat still don't really have a, a personnel answer for Joel Embiid. They have a scheme, but not a personnel answer. I mean, Bam Adebayo is still too small to really challenge Embiid in the post on a regular basis, despite his his defensive skills. And Myers Leonard and Kelly Olynyk are just not good post defenders in general. So the Heat don't have somebody that can guard Joel Embiid. But the the Raptors do, and despite Marcus All looking more like a long distance runner, he still has a history of you know basically owning Joel Embiid in the post. I would say that plus the fact that they do have the length and the speed to, like the Twitter user, what was his name again, Uriah? Oh, his name was John Hansen. John, like Tom Tom Hansen. Sorry about that. Tom Hansen. Yeah, like Tom Hansen said, his analysis was pretty spot on. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's the Raptors, but the Heat are a close second. Yeah, Lucas, I'm gonna, I'll take the other side of that there. I think it's, it's the Heat. Like you said, they have a, a scheme to go against Joel Embiid, and I just think they're a dangerous team that I'm not looking forward to facing. That's why I was saying I think the six seed's the way to go if they have to potentially pay Boston and Toronto because you wouldn't even want to look forward to Milwaukee if they get the five or four seed because Miami has been giving us problems – they got a lot of speed. They're talented. I think Jimmy has some revenge in them. So I'm not trying to see the heat in this year's playoffs. 
I'll jump right on that and say that I, I also love the six seed for the Sixers. It's weird going into the restart and thinking, I really hope they just stay where they are. Like, lose enough games to stay where you are, and hopefully that OKC pick conveys, and that's, like, my goal for the rest of the regular season. But I really think that they have Boston's number. They've got, like, it's a matchup nightmare for Boston. You can take Ben Simmons and put him on Jason Tatum to shut him down. Um, they've got no one that can defend Joel Embiid down there. Our size on paper should be overwhelming for Boston, and we won that regular season series. So I'm not afraid of them per se, but I, I am going to say that I think Toronto probably presents the biggest matchup worry for the same reason, like we mentioned Marcus All already, and he might look different, but I, I watch you watched last year, and he he handled Embiid in the post, and that and that's a concern. And Toronto definitely has the depth to run guys off the bench. Um, that maybe the Sixers don't have as much depth as they do. They've got shooting. Pascal Siakam's a great player. So I think I'd be worried about the Sixers getting over that hump and kind of coming back for that revenge tour against the Raptors. I don't want to see the Heat either, but I think the matchup is better with the Heat, so I'm going to go with the Raptors. Yeah, and I'll just talk about Milwaukee since I guess that's the only one we haven't covered. Um, So the Sixers, you know, some would say they were built to handle Milwaukee. And if you look at the Christmas Day game especially, you can see that, the Sixers, when they play their best basketball, can easily hold their own. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see, um, especially how the games go, because, you know, if we want to make it to the finals or the Eastern Conference final, finals, we're going to have to play Milwaukee at some point. Um, and I agree with what everybody was saying, how the sixth seed is the better path. But at the same time, um, I don't think you want to, you know, lose basketball games on purpose, which nobody said, but I don't think you want to be in the mindset of, Oh, let's uh, let's lose basketball games. I think you want that mindset of uh, win win every game. Um, so I'll ditto what Lucas said with the Raptors being the toughest matchup, um, especially with Tom said. I think Tom's analysis was right on the money. If we have to lose games on purpose, it's not the first time we would have done that. <laughs> <laughs> Process continued, right? Yeah, I was just going to piggyback off of what Matt said. I, I do think it's important for the Sixers, given what happened uh, be- before the suspension of play. It's going to be really important for them to build momentum in these eight regular season games, even if it results in maybe a worse first-round matchup. Like you said, we're going to have to face Milwaukee at some point. Maybe it's even better to get them in the second round, you know, with a fresher Embiid, a fresher Ben Simmons. Who knows? Um, I think in terms of just the best overall team, it's Milwaukee. They're probably the best team in the league right now. So I think on that front, they're probably the least team, the least excited, you know, the team that I would be least excited about facing. Uh, but from from a pure matchup standpoint, I do think Toronto might still have Philly's number to a degree. I know the Sixers played them very tight last postseason. Both teams have undergone some pretty sizable changes. Obviously, the Sixers losing Jimmy Butler and J.J. Redick, and the Raptors losing Kawhi. But, um, yeah, again, Marcus Gasol is someone who has had Joel's number in the past. He can guard Joel in the post. I think he's still, even though he's slimmed down, he's still going to have a lot of that muscle. And I think he's still a pretty tough matchup there. And then you got guys like Pascal and OG Ananobi who can maybe kind of handle Ben's uh, size and length on the perimeter. So I, I agree. I think Toronto's probably the most difficult matchup on paper, but I think Milwaukee's the best team. And they're the juggernaut that you really have to, you know, focus on because, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of, uh, you know, level one right now in the East. All right, so before we, we cut out of here, I do have just a few quick announcements that our listeners would be excited to hear about. 
And as we know, obviously, the season's revving up. You got all this novel content coming out each day. And what we do at the Sixer Sense is we're looking to bring every listener, every subscriber to the podcast, top-notch analysis from a nice variety of guests. So we do have some uh, guests coming up in the next few weeks who are contributors to the website. Uh, one of them happens to be on here right now. Uh, Jonathan's on the schedule. We have Stuart London, and we've had Keith Pompey, who's not a contributor. He actually is the beat writer for the Sixers, for the Inquirer. He'll be joining us. But we have two special guests, and I'm not going to say their names. I'm going to give a few clues and let the listeners figure it out if they can. One special guest that we're having on, I think, I think it's, he's scheduled to come on the day after the Pacers game. He has a prominent position at one of the two major Philadelphia sports networks. That's clue for the first one. The second guest is a nationally known analyst with over a million Twitter followers. If I give any more than that, you might be able to guess it. But I will give you one more hint for both. What they both have in common is they both have their own podcasts. So once we're ready, we'll drop the information. We'll let you guys know who's coming up. The season's coming up. I'm excited. We're excited. And with that being said, Chris, take us out, man. Yeah, I just want to thank everyone again for coming on the podcast. Adam, Matt, John are all great contributors at the site. I suggest you go read their work. You can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Pleshko, M-A-T-T-P-L-E-S-C-O. You can follow Adam at Adam under D-I-B-11. And John, do you have a Twitter account for people to follow you at? I'm actually not on Twitter. All right. Well, you'll just have to go read his stuff at the site. But uh, again, guys, thank you for coming on. I think this went really well. You all gave brilliant insight on these draft prospects. And hopefully we get to have you all on um, at some point in the future. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.